When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonix Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we're back. I know it's been a two-week hiatus. There's been a lot going on. There's several reasons why we were off for a couple of weeks. We only expected to be off for one, but then, you know, honey-do list got a little bit long. A lot of things were happening out in the world, and I thought it'd be better for this show to maybe just take a couple of weeks off and then come back as it's mainly focused on a fantasy football show, and I want people to be in a space where they're ready to hear that and ready to be back into maybe getting outside of what's going on in the news, what's going outside uh, in their worlds outside of the spike with the coronavirus right now. So a lot of things going on right now. And, of course, everyone here at MD's Fantasy Football Show hopes that everyone listening to this show is doing well and is safe and is feeling healthy. Uh, But we're back. We're here to entertain. We're here to give you some fantasy football knowledge. We have great guests lined up for this show. We have RJ Ochoa for the Dallas Cowboys from the Ojo podcast. We have Dan Fates of 13WHAM talking about the Buffalo Bills in just a little bit. We have Michael Balco from the Michael Balco Show coming on to talk to Saints with you guys. And of course, last but not least, we're going to have Teron Davenport, ESPN NFL Nation writer uh, for the Tennessee Titans to talk about the Titans in the last segment. Now, usually when I open these shows, we kind of just get right into it because we have a lot to get into and it's going to be a long one. And it is. But Usually speaking, uh, if this was a normal episode, we would be doing off-season notes. I haven't been doing that, but we do need to do that because we had some news come out this past week that at least needs to be addressed quickly, being that this is a fantasy football show, especially for the people out there who may have those dynasty leagues. So Debo Samuel gets, goes down with a Jones fracture. The timetable on his return is about three to four months. He's getting the surgery, probably as we speak, recording this podcast uh, Friday morning. So 
He should be back sometime between September and October. So he's not going to miss the entirety of the season. That's the good news about the fact that he got injured now. Now, how early he comes back will depend, obviously, on his recovery time, on his surgery, and how well everything goes and everything like that. The main factor you're going to be looking for, we're not going to know until the training camp and probably later on in the training camp, is is he going to start the season on the pup list? If he starts the season on the pup list, he's not going to be back until late October. And they're probably only going to do that if they think he's going to miss the first six weeks on his own anyway to open up the extra roster spot. If it looks like he can come back in September, he probably will not start the season on the pup list. And that will be the indication to you guys how early he can come back and play. As of right now, uh, we have, we are we're probably about a week away from finishing our first round of projections and rankings that are going to be up on the Belly Up Fantasy Sports website, bellyupfantasysports.com. Uh, we're probably about a week away from that being completely finished. We got to go back, obviously, and tweak some things like this with the DOSANIA situation. And just to kind of give you guys a little bit of an insight, we're going to be doing it with the expectation as of now that he will start the season on the pup list. Uh, so that's going to be our expectation. He might miss the first six games. That's how kind of how we're going to look at this situation. He may wind up coming back earlier. He may not miss the first six games of the season, and and we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, but the way it kind of sets up right now, we think that's probably the safer estimate to go with, uh, given everything going on and and just out in the outside world, because that's going to affect him too with rehab and where he's able to go. And, and with the facilities opened up, it helps a lot. But there's still going to be some situations that I think could cause delays for Debo Samuel. So we're just just erring on the side of caution. We're going to probably project him for probably only 10 games this season, miss, having him miss those six games. So kind of keep that in mind when you're looking through that. As far as what you should do in the meantime, <clears throat> your dynasty leagues, what you expect. Look, Brandon Ayuk, obviously, uh, we're pretty sure even though he was a rookie, he was going to be the other starting wide receiver on the other side of Debo Samuel. We just that just seemed to be the way it was going, uh, especially with you know Kendrick Bourne not knowing he's even going to make the team. Dante Pettis, nobody really knows this, the status that he has with the team at the moment. So it was really kind of looking at this like he was going to be the starter anyway. Now he's definitely going to be the starter. The question is whether or not he's going to be the number one wide receiver. And there's a real case that could wind up being if Dante Pettis, who in my opinion is the most polished wide receiver and, and talented on that 49er staff as of right now, you know, who's healthy, that is. Dante Pettis, it, it doesn't matter though, because with Kyle Shanahan, he, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to like the guy. There seems to be no love there. So he may not be on the field. So if Dante Pettis isn't going to be on the field, it's good. Brandon Ayuk's going to be the only true wide receiver who has the ability to make a play on the ball uh, who's going to be out there. I mean, Kendrick Bourne's a, you know, he's a backup wide receiver. That's all, that's all he really is. So while Debo Samuels is out, Brandon Ayuk, as a rookie guy, is going to be pretty valuable. The target should be there. He's going to have a higher floor than we would have expected him to have. I'm still not going to go crazy over it because the other factors are George Kittle might get a few extra targets thrown his way. I don't think it's going to significantly rise his his value for those first few weeks when Debo Samuels out because he was already going to get his anyway. Um, some people say, well, maybe they'll run the ball more. I think it's hard to say that they're going to run the ball more where it's actually going to affect the game, considering they're already one of the running heaviest teams in the NFL on top of that. So I think really it just boils down to Brandon Ayuk and then whoever winds up being that second wide receiver starting in the stead of Debo Samuel is who this is going to affect the most, but we don't know who that is. Like I said, talent-wise, my guess would be Dante Pettis, but... I know he's not there on the coaching staff as far as what they want out of him. So I don't. I, right now, there's a lot we don't know that we're going to be following. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at BellyUp 
MDFF show for all those player news update notifications that are going to be coming out to you all summer long. And you also follow us on Facebook at the same uh, tag name at BellyUpMDFF show to be able to get all the information coming out from the show as well. So make sure you're following along because this is something we're going to have to watch uh, incredibly closely. The guy I really think this could affect the most is Jalen Hurd because to me, Jalen Hurd was somebody that I thought might have gotten rendered useless by the way they used Debo Samuel. And they drafted Jalen Hurd to be a mismatch, a guy to line up in the, in the backfield, a, line, a guy to line up in the perimeter, a guy they want to use in rotation, a guy they want to use as an H-back. And I kind of felt like because of the way they used Evo Samuel and motioned him all around the field to try to use him as a mismatch guy, it kind of took away what Jalen Hurd was supposed to be there to do but now if there's going to be no Devo Samuel they want to get Jalen Hurd involved we might see him involved more early on now is he going to be involved to the point to actually have fantasy relevancy no I don't I don't think he will be I don't think that's going to be a thing that you guys have to worry about uh so he's not something I'm going to be targeting especially in redraft leagues but his dynasty value might go up a little bit because if he is able to perform during that time some people might get some interest if he's on your team during that slot the biggest player it affects is Brandon Ayuk at the end of the day. This ensures that Brandon Ayuk is not only going to be the starter, but he's going to have a certain allotment of targets heading his way for however many games Debo Samuel winds up missing. So again, it's going to come down to does Debo start on the pup list or not, and that's not something we're going to know until we get into training camp. So make sure you follow the show to stay up to date on that. So we just want to talk about that for a few minutes. We don't want to go on anymore. There's a lot of other stuff that is going on. So make sure you're just following us on Twitter and have those notifications up because we'll keep you updated that way. But I don't want to take too much time because we have a lot of show to get through. We have those four interviews to get through and there's going to be a lot of inside information for you guys. It's really going to be able to help you utilize moving forward, especially getting prepared for your drafts in August. And all of these interviews are conducted through the MD Nation hotline, 609-362-2480. You guys can call call that hotline too. If you call and leave your fantasy football comment, question, rant, it doesn't matter what it is. It can even be a comment about the show. We're going to get you up on the episodes, on the show itself. You're going to be, your voice is going to actually be heard by everyone who listens to this show. And of course, this is going to take place after the team profile series are done. So you can call and leave your comment, leave your question and do that now. And as soon as we're coming back, I believe in early August when we're wrapping up the team profile series and getting back into our normal fantasy football com- content, we're going to be able to get you guys on there for that. So make sure you come in, check that out, call that number, but you can also get on by tweeting at us, by Facebooking us, or even by emailing us, and that'll also be part of the mailbag segment, which will be dedicated to you, the fans of the show. So Twitter, at BellyUpMDFFShow, Facebook, at BellyUpMDFFShow, and of course, if you want to email us directly, it is MDSFantasyFootball.com at gmail.com. So you can do all those things to get in contact with the show, get your voice be heard, and get even more prepared. All right, so on the other side here, we are going to have RJ Ochoa of the Ocho Podcast talking about the Dallas Cowboys and all the inside information that you guys need to know about them. And MD Nation, welcome back to the show. On the MD Nation hotline, I have the one, the only, Mr. RJ Ochoa. Manager and editor-in-chief of the bloggingtheboys.com, host of the Ocho podcast, which I have to say by far is my favorite Cowboy podcast. I subscribe to it on iHeartRadio. It does an absolute great job. And, of course, you can find him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. RJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for the kind words. Hope all is well with you and yours. Yeah, we're doing pretty well over here. Uh, we're over here in Jersey and you know, just kind of staying hunkered down as much as humanly possible. How are you? How's your family? You guys staying safe? 
Yeah, everything's um, as good as can be, thank God. And so just, um, you know, taking everything uh, one day at a time and watching a lot of stuff on Netflix. Uh, really, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big golfer, so I've been able to get out, thankfully, uh, in a social distance way and, and still enjoy that. So uh, everything is well. Give me something. Uh, what's your favorite thing you've been wa- binge watched on Netflix recently? Uh, you know, I um, I did not get into Tiger King. That was I, okay. I was kind of the only person that, that missed out. Um, and it was just, you know, I couldn't get on board in time and then I didn't want to go back and everything. Um, but I, uh, I'm a big fan of the show community and they just put that on Netflix. I've been rewatching that and it's been so great. I hadn't seen it in a long time. And, uh, they were one of the many shows that did like a, like a zoom, you know, table read podcast type thing, uh, as a result of it. So I've been kind of, you know, uh, rekindling, um, some nostalgia for that show. And that's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's all. We'll have to check that out as well. Yeah. So, I mean, with all this going on, I know the players have been available, you know, via Zoom for mostly everybody. Have you had any issues with that or you've been able to pretty much get to anybody that you, you've needed to throughout this process? Yeah, we've had some uh, some different guys and some of the draftees um, for the Cowboys on our podcast feed. And so that's been fun getting to know some of the newer players and some of their coaches and things like that. Um, in, you know, in a weird way, I think guys are more inclined to, to do zoom meetings and stuff than they would be in normal times. And, uh, you know, in, in normal times, the team kind of restricts different things. So this has provided some unique opportunities that we've, uh, taken some advantage of. And, uh, in that respect, it's, it's been fun. You know, it's been a really fun Cowboys off season, uh, relative to what we've experienced in years past. So, uh, really enjoying it and, you know, excited for a hopeful season. Yeah, we're excited for a hopeful season here uh, as well. Being that this is a fantasy football podcast, there's times where, you know, actual general NFL news and fantasy football obviously will overlap. One of those being in the situation with Dak Prescott. Now, I don't really want to get into about the minutia of his actual contract, but what I would like to know from your perspective is that if he does not get an extension done this summer, do you believe he's still going to play starting week one? I... I personally could not see um, Dak going the Le'Veon Bell route in that case. I don't think, you know, if, if the Cowboys and he were not able to land a deal by July 15th, I don't think he would have any incentive uh, to, um, you know, to sit out. And he's a guy that we saw bet on himself last year. I mean, it wasn't the exact same situation, but it was the final year of his rookie contract. And he had no problem going out and playing. Uh, I, I think, you know, health is obviously something that is always a risk, uh, especially in the game of football. But uh, if you're Dak, I, I think that, you know, if Dak were to have a, a poor season or whatever, I still think from a contractual standpoint, he would still be in high demand next off offseason. Um, I mean, we, we, we saw that with Kirk Cousins. I mean, I think he could be average and still be OK. And uh, given that Dak is a risk taker and, he can, you know, certainly qualify the fact that he loves his teammates and all that jazz. Um, and, and the fact that his offense now has C.D. Lamb, I mean, I think it would only lend to an opportunity to go out and, and kind of double what he's bet on himself. Maybe not in a literal way, but uh, I certainly think he would play regardless. Yeah, I tend to agree with that line. I think he just strikes me as a guy who's like, I, no matter what, I need to be out on the field. And he kind of puts that ahead of necessarily the contract of the money. And uh, just just being that type of guy, that being that type of competitor, I just don't see him sitting out. So I'm I'm in line with you. I'm glad I'm glad you've you know reiterated that because. Dak is, is, like you said, is in a great position to have a great season this year. And, you know, going into year two of Kellen Moore and call the plays and with the added weapons, I mean, how high of a ceiling can we expect out of Dak Prescott? Well, uh, you know, that's kind of what it feels like the Cowboys are banking on in terms of their team success. 
Uh, certainly they had, uh, depending on how you look at it, they had either the most efficient or second most efficient offense in the NFL last season. And obviously Dak, I mean, it came very close to leading the NFL in passing yards. Um, you know, there was a point, I think it was through the first three weeks of the season where he didn't even have an incompletion in the third quarter. And um, so I, I think, I, I don't see any reason why, I mean, you know, throwing for 4,900 yards is a difficult thing, but I don't see any reason why uh, Dak couldn't, you know, have similar statistical success. Maybe he doesn't reach that exact mark, but I could see, you know, I, I think that we we saw a lot of the Cowboys maybe uh, tapping the brakes on Dak. And a game that a lot of Cowboys fans lost their minds in was the one against the Minnesota Vikings. Near the end of the game, Dak had just kind of an MVP, you know, it wasn't the MVP, but, you know, kind of a, the, we all thought that drive was what was going to put him in the conversation. And he, he has this incredible drive, and then the Cowboys run it with Zeke a couple times near the end zone and, and end up kind of costing themselves the game. And I think that that line of thinking is gone. I think that it's, okay, let's let's take the, you know, the plastic film. You know, everybody knows that dude that, like, leaves the, the film on the cover of their iPhone when they get it, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And it's like, let, let's take that off, and let's just live life with Dak Prescott. We, we, we went and drafted C.D. Lamb. I mean, they've, they've clearly doubled down on their passing offense, and – I think beyond that, it's certainly not in the same category as drafting CeeDee Lamb, but they moved on from Jason Wooden finally. And Blake Jarwin, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to say he's a top 10 tight end or anything, but the fact that he is even mildly athletic puts him ahead of Jason Wooden. And so I think that Dak's going to have a lot of success in the air. I think we're going to see what we saw the first kind of month of the season last year, because that is clearly this team's identity. I think that, you know, uh, you're, you're the pro here, but I think Dak is, is a top five, you know, floor maybe fantasy quarterback yeah I'm about a uh, halfway through my projections and rankings for the NFL right now I haven't quite gotten to the Cowboys but the way it's shaping up early on at least you know and obviously it'll be updated throughout August but the way it's shaping up early on is that not only he's going to be the top five but there's a very good chance he's going to wind up in my top three just the ceilings the ceilings to the roof but the most important thing the floor is as high as it could possibly be for all the reasons that you pretty much just kind of listed out there because it's just between Kellen Moore being a pretty good play caller, in my estimation, and the added weapons that they have, the athleticism, the speed, the explosion that they have everywhere, pretty much everywhere on that field. And to your point, you know, they, they move on from Jason Witten and go to Blake Jarwin, who is at least, you know, more of an athlete down the seam. Uh, sky's the limit. And, you know, the Eagles got a little bit better on defense, but nobody else in that division really, really did. And even the Eagles, it's it's minimal because while they added Darius Slay, they saw also lost some pieces. So I think they're in place right now for that offense to be really, really good. Um, I'll jump a little bit ahead here because you mentioned Blake Jarwin. He is somebody who's been a, a popular sleeper pick at the tight end position. I'm not so high on him because I think there's just too, too many targets are going to go to the wide receivers and a combination to Zeke for him to be a consistent contributor. But what's your take on Blake Jarwin this season? Yeah, I agree with that. You know, um, a different writer at our site wrote something recently, um, and it was it was a what's more likely Blake Jarwin to hit 650 yards receiving or Alden Smith to hit seven sacks. Okay. And, you know, we, we were kind of just, you know, when we, in our group, when we were talking about, you know, what numbers to throw out there, you know, we were saying, I mean, 650 yards that, you know, that's obviously not, you know, incredible production or anything, but to your point, I mean, I, I don't know that, you know, there's enough targets for Jarwin to even accomplish that, you know, even in, in a great performance of a season. And so, I mean, I do think the Cowboys are going to be operating out of 11 personnel far more than they did under Jason Garrett, which is why so many people are excited. And obviously that includes Blake Jarwin. And I think I think he certainly benefits and will benefit from, you know, all the coverage that is commanded by the trio of Cowboys wide receivers. But 
I mean, you know, in, in my experience playing fantasy, you know, looking at 2020, I mean, I either want Gronk or Travis Kelsey, and then I really don't care. You know what I mean? And so, you know, if, if it's Blake Jarwin, that's cool. And I think that, you know, th there, there's a lot of potential there, but I, I'm not, you know, going out of my way to draft Blake Jarwin from a fantasy perspective. Maybe he's somebody like, like if I draft Dak Prescott, you know, maybe I want to like couple them together, but I'd still rather draft any other Cowboys pass catcher ahead of Jarwin. And that's just, that's just the nature of the position. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, Jarwin's going to be a guy who may have some streamer opportunity to him. Maybe he's right. the guy you take in the, you know, your 15, 16th round because you need to fill a tight end position. You decide to be the last person to take a tight end. That's where I can see him at. There's a decent enough potential there because I do believe the Cowboys, and I've said this a number of times on my show, that I think the Cowboys are in position to score 30, 35 points a game. And just by that default, there will be some points that rub off for Blake Jarwin. So he might be in a position if the offense itself is going through the roof. Part of that, though, would be Ezekiel Elliott. Now, he didn't look maybe as sharp last season with the holdout and everything as, as we're used to seeing. What do you with, Without the threat of a holdout this year, do you think he comes back with a vengeance or you think he kind of stays what he was a season ago? You know, that was, uh, we haven't written this, but a subject of a potential future, much more likely, was Zeke uh, breaking the single season record for the Cowboys uh, from a rushing perspective, or all three wide receivers for the Cowboys topping a thousand yards. <laughs> and I, I just, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're all a little quarantined, uh, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I think, I, I mean, Zeke is obviously a big part of the Cowboys offense, but I mean, you know, and we, we the, the, that's what's made this offseason so fun is we don't know what Mike McCarthy's new tendencies are and what he's going to be planning, what he's going to be wanting to do, et cetera. And, you know, while the Cowboys are obviously a little bit pot committed to Zeke from a contractual perspective, I don't see any reason why, you know, they are going. I, I don't think this is, you know, for so long, Zeke has led the NFL and carries and, you know, been at the very top when it comes to that. I think that Zeke is going to be more involved in the passing game, which is a great thing for the Cowboys, you know, in terms of their uh, success as a football team. But, you know, is he going to be Christian McCaffrey from a fantasy perspective? Absolutely not. I, I think that I, I don't think, no, he's worth that. And, and that's no slide on Zeke as a player, certainly. But I think that a lot has changed for the Cowboys. And, you know, they didn't draft CeeDee Lamb to run the ball 30 times a game. You know what I mean? I, I think they're right. changing a lot. And that's a good thing. No, I mean, I, I agree with that. And I look at it this way. I don't see any reason why he couldn't be more efficient because he's going to be in a situation where he may never see more than seven guys in the box at most. And I don't, I don't can't remember a time where that's really been the case for Zeke, you know, from week to week. I don't know if you do. No, it's, um, it's been a long time. And that's, you know, not to say that Zeke in 2020 is going to be 2014 to Marco Murray, but that was kind of the last time the Cowboys came anywhere close to this. Uh, just because that was still peak Des Bryant. Uh, Terrence Williams was kind of at his peak as a complimentary wide receiver, and Cole Beasley was really coming along on the slide. So while things were more rigid from a definition standpoint, that was really, I, I think, the most overall, um, you know, solid that the Cowboys offense was that allowed for DeMarco Murray to be great. And at the time, too, you know, that offensive line was was really, really, really. Frederick's retirement is the, the biggest hurdle that Zeke has to face this season. But, you know, there's a lot of transition from the offense and in Travis Frederick's retirement, who, you know, because we still don't even know who's going to be playing center and they're going to move Connor Williams at all. So all of those questions to me, you know, I, I don't know who I would take over Zeke. I, obviously, Christian McCaffrey and, and maybe Alvin Kamara. Uh, after that, I think the conversation starts. Uh, but, you know, it, he is a different player from fa a fantasy perspective than he's been in years past.
Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm glad you just said Kamara and Christian McCaffrey because I'm a big guy who believes that Zeke needs to be ahead of Saquon Barkley, even though the most of the industry wants to push Saquon ahead of Zeke. And I'm like, no, the, the offense isn't well, going to be good enough. You know, I, I will say to that, I mean, Jason Garrett is Saquon's offensive coordinator. And <laughs> I, I, you know, that's they if any if any running back in the NFL is going to be force fed in 2020, <laughs> it's going to be Saquon. And so uh, while I don't think that will translate into wins, uh, if I wound up with Saquon in some drafts, I would not be disappointed. Oh, I wouldn't be disappointed, but I, I definitely think Zeke needs to be up there because the offense, especially sure. a great offense tied to a running back, the, the points just it, historically provide uh, that that running back is going to have a better season, uh, generally speaking. Right. Um, we talked a lot about the wide receivers. Let's get into actually how this rotation is going to work. Is Amari Cooper going to get the lineup in the slot more? Or are they looking to do that more with Lamb? What do you think the rotation is going to be? Well, you know, and I think looking back to that 2014 group, for example, Dez, Terrence, and Cole Beasley, it was very, very, very specific. Dez Beasley was your slot guy. And, you know, to their credit, the Cowboys were very good in those days, but they were very, very, very productive. And C.D. Lamb can all play everywhere, and I do believe that they will. I, I think that generally Amari and, and Michael will probably be your outside guys and C.D. your slot. I mean, that, that would probably be the majority of time. But I think that, you know, Mari is, is arguably a better wide receiver in the slot than he is outside. And so I think that, you know, the Cowboys have, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it is the new New York Giants offensive coordinator, shied away from things like that in years past. And, and we've seen, you know, a revitalization towards, um, you know, adjusting and thinking differently and operating differently under Kellen Moore. And so I certainly think that they're going to shuffle the deck a little bit. And I think that we'll get to see Amari and Gallup and CD play all over the place. Uh, which is exciting. And I think that that's, you know, that can only lead to good things, uh, both on the field in a football perspective and in a fantasy football perspective. But yeah, I, I think that they, uh, I think that they'll be very, very, very personal. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I, I, ho- I hope that's the case because that's that's the big thing about the NFL. It's mismatch, mismatch, mismatch. And the, o- the only way you get that is if you're actually able to move your pieces around and willing to do that. I think Kellen Moore is. I maybe have more faith in Kellen Moore than I do Mike McCarthy. I, I think the best move Mike McCarthy did was keep Kellen Moore mm-hmm. on the staff in the offseason. So I'm putting my faith more in him from that perspective. But let's get in a little interesting here. What Who's going to outperform the other one, Michael Gallup or CeeDee Lamb? Um... Probably Michael Gallup. Um, and I honestly think, you know, if I was looking, you know, and I'm hardly, you know, a fantasy expert or anything, um, but 
if I was, if I had to come away with a piece of the Cowboys offense in my draft, right. I think the price is going to be way too high for Amari Cooper. Like at that price, maybe it's not as conceivable, but I'd, I'd pay that price for like Michael Thomas or Julio. Right. And I think that you'll, you'll have somebody in your draft or your league that is like CD lamb. I'm taking him. You maybe it is a Cowboys fan, whatever. Michael Gallup is probably the best bang for your buck. And cause he's the one that everybody forgets about, which is strange. Um, you know, he really, really, really exploded last year. And I think that with CD Lamb, you know, obviously commanding a lot of attention himself, I think that really is only going to help him. So I, I think that Michael Gallup will have more production. I think it will be a far greater return on investment as well. Yeah, you're you're one hundred percent on the money with that. The the only thing I would have is that right now Amari Cooper is actually a little bit lower than I think people realize. They have him going a little bit more closer towards the third roundish area where he, I do think that if Cooper is going to get to play all over the field like you suggested, or even play more in the slot than he has in years past, I I think there's a real chance he gets over that inconsistent hurdle that a lot of people want to talk about with him. And if he's able to do that, this is going to be a guy who's going to be a wide receiver one week in and week out. Now what that does for Gallup and Lamb. I expect, like you're saying, I expect them to play a lot of three receiver sets, obviously, but I, it's, go, it's still going to be Gallup who should be a little bit ahead of Lamb on the pecking order as far as targets go. And you're talking about a guy whose ADP is about eighth, ninth round right now. We're seeing Lamb's right next to him. And it's just it's more likely than not that Gallup will be able to get more targets, more of the volume, more of the looks. And to your point with defense is not necessarily paying attention to him. They want to pay attention to Cooper. They want to pay attention to the rookie. They want to pay attention to Zeke. If you give Gallup one-on-one week in and week out, he's going to be explosive. He's a hell of an athlete. So I like him a lot too. I do agree with you that Michael Gallup is going to wind up outperforming him on that one. Now, in fantasy, there are still defenses and special teams. You know, the Cowboys, they, they lost Byron Jones. But I, I can make the argument they have one of the better front sevens in all of football. What are your expectations for this Cowboys defense this season? Well, uh, you know, I'll start on special teams. You know, the Cowboys were a disaster there last season. I mean, uh, an utter disaster. That Vikings game I referenced uh, was kind of the, the face of it all. And obviously they made a coaching change. And with that comes a lot of different changes. And the Cowboys have a new special teams coordinator in John Fossil. And so there's a lot of hope that, you know, he can – is one of the better special teams coordinators in the NFL, really, you know, alter this group and, and kind of get it back on track. It's been a long time since the Cowboys have been, you know, really successful at, at that phase of the game. And, you know, I, I think I can remember a lot of things. I truly cannot remember the last time. I think it was in 2013, uh, their last return for a touchdown. I think it was Dwayne Harris on Sunday Night Football against the Washington Redskins. So uh, it's been a minute, to say the least. And so, I mean, I don't know that, you know, um, that they're going to be reliable there week in and week out. Um, I do think defensively they're, they're, they're going to be okay. I think that they're kind of, I think they're, they're going to have some streaming opportunities, especially because they will play New York twice. They will play Washington twice. I mean, those are opportunities that I think you want to capitalize on. Uh, but I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, they've got Demarcus Lawrence and that's a lot to be excited about. And certainly Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe, but you know, their other end position is still a question mark. I mean, it's probably going to be Tyrone Crawford in week one. There's hope for Alden Smith. There's hope for Randy Gregory if he's reinstated. Um, you know, I think that Leighton Vanderish and Jalen Smith a year ago were regarded as one of the better linebacking tandems in the NFL, but they really fell off last season in the eyes of a lot of people. And so um, that that would be a place where I would definitely look elsewhere just because I, I don't know that they can be relied upon week in and week out, especially given some of their opponents this season. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of offenses you're going to have to play. The NFC in general is just so stacked. But to your point, there's at least four games right there where they will be, I think, a, a streaming defense and be viable in that regard. 
And uh, yeah, as far as other defensive end goes, it, it might be who can avoid being suspended the longest to see who winds up being the starter on, on, on that side. Uh, RJ, first of all, it was a great interview. Before we let you go, there's been a question that I want to ask everybody to try to get a consensus, and that is, do you believe the season will actually be able to start on time? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of sports, obviously. Uh, and so, you know, just like everybody been kind of keeping tabs on, on how, you know, the NBA and the MLB and the PJ Tour and, uh, you know, NWSL and lots of soccer leagues around the world are, are kind of planning their comeback. And I think the NFL has that benefit, right? I mean, obviously to kind of, you know, God willing, there isn't, but I think there will be some some unexpected challenges that, that come up, you know, even if it's, you know, from a ticket sales standpoint or whatever, there, you know, like these last few months, there have been a lot of problems that we didn't know about, you know, the first week or the second week that have just developed. And so I think the NFL can really utilize all of this as a kind of a focus group of sorts. Um, I think that the NFL is the most powerful professional sports league, arguably in the world, certainly in the United States. And so I think that they will find a way, even if it's, you know, whether it's with no fans or 25% capacity or 30% or whatever the case may be. Um, but I think that a season will happen um, on the schedule that they have outlined, uh, you know, even if they have to adjust a little bit on the fly. Well, I, I hope you're right. And uh, we're starting to lean towards that way. We're starting to see these things open up. I think there's a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel uh, than there was, you know, a few weeks ago even. Uh, with some of the people that I've talked to so far. So I hope you're right. We need it bad. I need it bad. <laughs> I'm sure you do too. Um, before we let you completely get out of here, one, one more time, why don't you give the uh, audience, let them know where they can find you and uh, what's something that you're working on that might be coming out soon that make sure everybody goes checks out. Sure. Uh, I'm at Arjo Ochoa on Twitter and Instagram. You can check out all of our work at bloggingtheboys.com. You can Listen to the Blog and the Boys podcast. We have several different shows on our feed. Uh, we're available on all major podcast platforms. Uh, in terms of things I'm working on, uh, I, um, you know, I, I just we're always working on our podcast. We're always trying to have some great guests and always try to, you know, have different voices. And, you know, we, we've been fortunate, uh, as mentioned, to have some different players and coaches and stuff. And so uh, trying to reach out, get some notable Cowboys fans and, and people that, that, you know, are, are uh, notable for their, you know, fandom for the Cowboys. And so uh, we've got some some feelers out there, and we're hopeful that they uh, they return some opportunities for us. Well, excellent. And RJ, you have been a terrific guest, and I hope we get to talk to you again sometime in the future. For sure. Thanks a lot. Be well and uh, enjoy community. Thank you. I will. Uh, take care. All right, MD Nation. That was RJ Ochoa of the Ocho Podcast talking about the Dallas Cowboys in that past interview. But before we move on, to Dan Fates of 13 WHAM Buffalo, talking about the Buffalo Bills, of course. I want to talk to you guys real quick about BellyUpFantasySports.com. You can go on there. You can check out all the latest articles that are coming out for you guys for your fantasy sports leagues, not just football, but all sports inclusive. And, of course, my projections and rankings will be getting released on that website. Within probably the next few weeks, the first draft of that will be coming out very, very shortly. So you're going to want to check that out there as well. You can always check out the Belly Up Fantasy Live show or this show the md's fantasy football show on that website as well for the video streams and of course the audio podcast it is your one-stop shop for all fantasy sports and sports money making endeavors just go to www.bellyupfantasysports.com and here's dan fates on the other side all right md nation we are back on the md nation hotline we have mr dan fates 
He is great. He's the sports anchor at 13 WHAM, where he covers the Bills and the Sabres extensively. He is an awesome follow on Twitter, too, at Dan Fates on there. And Dan, how are you doing today? Doing well. Just got done golfing, so uh, everything's going really well. That is as that is the best way to spend a Friday is go, to be able to <laughs> yeah, go golfing in the morning. That's that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I mean, how how have you and your family been doing, and how you guys been uh, managing through all this and everything that's going on? Yeah, it's been a whole lot of Zoom calls with reporters and uh, trying to work from home. Uh, my wife's a teacher; she's seven months expecting, so we're had a lot of time to get uh, the nursery ready and uh, just kind of relax and go through Netflix, pretty much. Well, congratulations on the uh, upcoming. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, any worries there with having to go to the hospitals for checkups and stuff like that? Hey, yeah, I think there definitely is, and it's funny. I haven't. I've gone to all of our her appointments up until uh, the pandemic hit. So now I just sit in the parking lot and wait for her to go to her appointments. But we've had friends that have uh, had babies recently, and they they said that everything has been uh, going smoothly in the hospital. So. As things continue to look better uh, or continue to, to keep getting better, uh, we're, we're feeling all right. Good, good. I, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that for you guys. So we brought you on here because we're, we're doing a team profile on the Buffalo Bills. We're examining, you know, all the fantasy relevant players and, and what their outcomes could be. And Buffalo is one of those interesting teams to talk about with some of the acquisitions that they've made. But first and foremost, it starts with the quarterback. It starts with Josh Allen. Is this a make it or break it season for him? Yeah, that that's getting thrown out a lot. I think so. And that's just in the respect of this could be the year that Josh Allen takes the next step to become, you know, a top tier quarterback. Or if he, you know, unfortunately, nobody in Buffalo wants to talk about it. But, you know, Mitch Trubisky is another quarterback that Josh could become. So you hope that the, the trend continues. And the one thing that people have always said was that, look, when Josh started here and he was a rookie, they may have had one of the worst wide receiving groups in the NFL. And they have really improved on that, obviously, this year with Stephon Diggs, giving him a true number one, um, along with, you know, Cole Beasley and John Brown. You know, you can't forget Dawson Knox, the way that this, this team's emerging. There's a lot of pressure on Josh. I think from a stat standpoint, the defense is so good that Josh doesn't need to be great. He just needs to limit the mistakes. Uh, and if that's the case, you know, I, I think Josh is going to get paid, and I think the Bills will make a deep playoff run. Yeah, I mean, that team is stacked really talent-wise on both sides of the ball. It's a matter of, you know, can his can his completion percentage go up this year? Can he be more efficient with his throws? Uh, and, and as a result of that, could that make him possibly a top five in fantasy because you have the scrambling to, to think about too? Yeah, I think that... That's absolutely the case. And and that's funny. You talk about difference between a fantasy quarterback and then just what you want as an NFL quarterback. Right. Josh has a lot of weapons around him. You talk about, I mean, there's not enough credit is given to Brandon Bean, what he has done, worked, you know, rebuilt the cap, rebuilt this roster. But Josh does have all of the weapons. And I can understand where people say, you know, this is make or break year because there's going to be no excuse if Josh doesn't succeed. If he doesn't succeed, it's going to be on him. It's not because of the talent around him. And you mentioned the point about his completion percentage. We just had a Zoom conference with him on uh, yesterday, and he said the one thing he can't get over is the fact that he knows the stat is that when he c- completes at least 60% of his passes in a game, he's ne- the Bills have never lost. So he understands that. Now, he's also added that he's not going to turn into captain check down. 
But knowing that he does need to complete 60% of the passes, that's the number that he's really going to try and hit this year. And from an NFL standpoint, that's not a super high number. So the the, nope. the, the, the floor is definitely lowered there for him of what he needs to do for that team to be able to win. So that there's, there needs to be an emphasis on that. To your point, though, yeah, he's not going to be captain checkdown. He's got too much of a cannon to sit back there and become captain checkdown, especially when you have all these weapons to be able to throw to. But some weapons they have coming out of the backfield. when they got you know, We know Devin Singletary is going to be the main guy, but how involved do we expect Zach Moss to be as a rookie? I think he's going to be really involved. And I've wrote a bunch of articles and I've really looked into this. I don't see Zach Moss as this one dimensional back that just runs people over. I I don't think he's like a Travis or a Derrick Henry. I I really see this guy. I've talked to his college running back coach. I've talked to guys around the league and, and he is a five-tool running back. I think a lot of people want to compare Devin Singletary as the speed guy, and then you know he's the lightning to Zach Moss's thunder. And I think they're way more similar. Look, they both ran about four fives at the combine, not you know crazy fast, but Moss was injured and was kind of recovering off his forty time. Yes, his strength is running people over, but they said he's got really good hands. He's a good route runner. They just didn't ask him to do a lot of that stuff out of the backfield. And the big thing that always bothered me last year was. When Frank Gore would come into the huddle, defenses knew what to expect. They knew there weren't going to be screen passes. They knew they weren't going to have to worry about him catching balls out of the backfield. But when Devin came in, the playbook opened up. I think Zach Moss is going to allow the Bills to continue to have an open playbook, whether it's Devin or Zach in the backfield. And that's huge to keep defenses honest, no matter what running back is next to Josh Allen. Yeah, I I, I like that take because, first of all, I don't think Devin Singletary is a guy that they want to give 300 carries to. So I definitely Absolutely felt not. like Zach Moss was going to be involved in some capacity. Anyway, if you look at his tape going back to Utah, they did use him in every capacity of the game. He was back there in shotgun. They used him in the, in the passing game. They didn't just use him as a guy who could run people over. Now, the question was, can he stay healthy? And then the other question was, does he have that second gear? Because sometimes on tape, it was a little bit questionable when he did get out in the open field. Could he actually separate? But as a compliment to Devin Singletary, to your point, he allows them to keep the offense open because he can do a little bit of everything just like Devin Singletary can just maybe in a little bit of a different style uh so yeah I expect them to be pretty close I expect you know my expectations on them right now is I have Devin Singletary around 14 to 16 carries a game and Zach Ball somewhere between maybe 7 and 10 what do you think about that split yeah, I think that's the split they would definitely like to have. You know, and like I said, you talked about, you know, Zach Moss is can, can he stay healthy? You know, because I think he was really good his junior year and then he just was kind of constantly nicked up his senior year at Utah. You know, just, you know, Devin Singletary isn't, you know, an Iron Man either by any means. So you, you, I definitely agree with you. I think they want to keep the splits probably around what you're saying 55 45, 60 40, kind of in that range to keep both of them fresh. And I, It'll be interesting to see if they can both get them on the field at the same time. You know, you look at a lot of other teams that, you know, have two running backs in the backfield and how it, you know, keeps defenses on their toes. Doing the Patriots have done that a lot, also with two tight end sets. I would be interested to see what it could look like because Josh was really successful in the gun in three wide receiver sets. Interesting to see how they, they balance that out. But I, I agree more. I think Devin and and Zach are gonna be more of that, you know, fourteen to seven split. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's right about and and we with the with the running backs too in Buffalo, they're gonna be the focal point. I still I still believe it's going to be more about the running back productivity than it is going to be let's make Josh Allen throw the ball forty times a game. So I think Buffalo is still gonna play to their strength there with their defense. So that's why I think that it's gonna be yeah. a lot of value to be had there with Devin Singletary and possibly Zach Moss as a as a top handcuff. But the big shiny new object of this team is, of course, Stephon Diggs at the wide receiver position. Of course, he's going to be the number one guy. But is there going to be enough passing production for him and John Brown to be able to eat this season? Well, I think what it does, you know, obviously the addition of Diggs brings another deep threat to, you know, to give Josh Allen. But my question has always been this offseason is it wasn't like Josh was, you know, a sharpshooter at the deep ball last year. He really struggled. It was something that was talked about every single Wednesday when he got to the podium. It was almost, it seemed like he was like a golfer that kind of had the yips when he was throwing the ball beyond 20 yards. And that was something that he did really well his rookie year. Now his in, you know, intermittent and short completion percentage went way up from year one to year two, but obviously he really struggled with the deep ball and that's what Stefan Diggs does well. So you hope that Diggs can help Josh in that respect. Well, what I think Diggs does more than anything is makes John Brown and Cole Beasley into comfortable roles where they, they belong more. John Brown is a really good number two wide receiver. I don't know if he was necessarily the number one guy, but moving him, whether he can be in the outside or inside the slot, I think John Brown benefits a lot from having Stephon Diggs out on the field with him, as well as Cole Beasley, who can really, you know, get more favorable matchups. So and that, that's something that they talk about. Even John Brown talked about, how Dawson Knox, and you know, maybe we're, I'm you know, going into the next question, but those guys around him, I think Diggs can still have you know, 60 catches. I think he still probably grabs eight or nine touchdowns this year, but I do see a lot of value fantasy-wise in the production that you're going to see out of John Brown, Cole Beasley, and even a guy like Dawson Knox. Yeah, and we, we are going to get the dogs and knocks in, in just a minute. I do want to ask you this question. This is more from an NFL standpoint. Are you bothered at all with the idea that they have a bunch of you know six-foot receivers don't necessarily have that prototype uh, red zone threat at the perimeter? Absolutely. That was something that I really thought the Bills would go out and address in the draft is to go find a 6'3", six, 6'4", six, guy. Uh, I, I like the wide receiver out of Minnesota. I thought they would go get somebody that, that was a, a red zone target, even. Um, they got Gabe Davis out of UCF. They also got Isaiah Hodgins out of Oregon State. Those are both taller guys. But last year, you know, Duke Williams was pretty much their, their big physical guy. and He was 6'2", maybe, and was coming out of the CFL. And he may not even make the roster this year. So I wanted to see some size. And the best comparison I've heard from a football-wise is, you kind of want your wide receivers to be like a basketball team where they all have, you know, you got your point guard, you got your center, like guys that can all do, you know, a bunch of different things. Well, yeah. Yeah. So now it'll be interesting to see where, you know, last year was, you know, Sean McDermott kind of joked that his wide receiver room was like the Smurfs, you know, they were all could real quick and could separate in tight spaces, which was great. But, you know, contested balls, was that really their strength? No. Was there, you know, so that was something that you said that that's really interesting because I thought I really wanted them to get some, you know, some size. Now, is Gabe Davis going to be that? Maybe. Is Isaiah Hodgins, the seventh round pick, going to be it? Maybe. But Stephon Diggs is, you know, the tallest out of those three wide receivers between him, Brown, and uh, Beasley, and he's six foot. So 
Right. And, and like with those two guys, to your point, they do fall better into position because John Brown is a better number two. Cole Beasley is a better number three. But because they all kind of do the same thing where they, they need to yeah. get separation. And I worry about having a bunch of smaller guys with a quarterback like Josh Allen, who's not the most accurate in the world. I kind of thought getting him somebody who can just throw it up to in a certain area yeah. and let him go get it, I thought would really help him out. So I'm, I'm a little bit questionable as whether this is going to help Josh Allen in, in the long run or not. And that's something I'm going to be very interested to see going into the season. That leads into the Dawson Knox question, though, because the only person who does fit that mold would be in the middle with Dawson Knox. Do you think he's yep. ready in his second year to take that leap? Because sometimes with tight ends, it can take a few years before they're really ready to give a high-level production. Yeah, and you talk about just the second year. I talked to Dawson Knox earlier this year. This He was a quarterback all the way through high school until he got to Ole Miss. And then he had to realize he had to put on weight. You know, he says that obviously being a quarterback helped him be a tight end, but he still was kind of learning the position, and now he's having to do it in the NFL. He didn't catch a touchdown at Ole Miss his entire career. So, like, he is still very green at this tight end position. Now, he talks about how it's really kind of sucks, obviously, with his quarantine and this lockdown that he hasn't been able to do as much, you know, work out and, and continue to train with guys. But he says the continuity is big for him. To come back another year and to have the same tight ends in the room, to have the same tight end coach, to have the same offensive coordinator has been big for him. Dawson Knox is, you know, the prime example of a ton of talent. It's just raw. You saw some big highlight flashy real plays. He had the play against Cincinnati where he pretty much ran over most of the Bengals. But then you also saw a lot of drops. And you didn't know if that was just something that was going to continue or if this is just a young player trying to get his feet underneath him in the league. But it was interesting. John Brown doesn't say a whole lot. Doesn't say a whole lot on social media. Doesn't say a whole lot to us in the media. A really quiet, pro-like, you know, true professional. He went out of his way this offseason to think and to say – but he thinks Dawson Knox is going to have a breakout year. And I asked Dawson Knox about that, and Dawson said he was blown away. To have somebody of John Brown's stature believe that the middle of the field specifically is going to be opened up because of John Brown and with Stephon Diggs on the outside, and that Dawson's ready to take that next step. So, you know, if you're talking about sleepers at tight end late in the draft, Dawson Knox could have a big upside. Yeah, and being that the, he's probably, the phys, just from a physical standpoint, will be the right. biggest red zone guy out there. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be very, very interesting. He's going to have high touchdown potential. I don't know how many yards he's going to have. I haven't quite right. gotten to the Bills as far as my projections and rankings go. I, I expect that to be out uh, next week. But when once that comes through, I'm, I'm thinking somewhere between 500, 600 yards, maybe, uh, uh, roughly. Yeah. It's going to be a question of, does he get six, eight touchdowns? And I think that's going to really push his value forward. Uh, with with the Bills, of course, the one of the big things from a fantasy aspect is, is their defense and, and you know, defense special teams always gets looked over, but this could be a top five fantasy defense. What does adding Eric Washington's defense, coordinator, what does adding Josh Norman on the other side of that cornerback position do for this defense? Well, I think Eric Washington will hopefully make this rush defense better. That was the thing at times that we constantly were asking them, why were they getting gashed so much Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Up the middle against teams that were running the ball down their throat. So that was something that I think Eric Washington hopefully will, will, will bring that in. It's interesting to note, too, when they started to get run on, the Eagles ran the ball really well against them. Even Washington ran the ball pretty well against them. Harrison Phillips had gone out, and Harrison Phillips in the first two games of the year was playing really good football. He was a third-round pick from the, the same class of Josh Allen, and he's coming back. I've talked to him a lot. He feels really good, and it was interesting for him to see the defense. You know, that They were a top-three defense last year, and he said it was hard to watch the defense, and I asked him, you know, that's the question – you know, as a NFL player, you're happy for your team to succeed, but are you also a little jealous that you're not out there? And he said, yeah, like, I want to be getting sacks. I want to be getting tackles in the backfield. So I think that he's somebody that gets constantly overlooked because obviously you have that Oliver. They lost Jordan Phillips, but bringing back Harrison Phillips, I think is a huge thing for that defense to stop the run. And when you talk about Josh Norman, I think this just system just fits him a whole lot better. Look, he was an all-pro when Sean McDermott was there. And if there's anybody that knows him, it's going to be Sean McDermott. I don't think they're going to put him in situations that he's not comfortable in or isn't comfortable on succeeding. So this defense has had so much continuity that's coming back again with the same defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. It's pretty much Sean McDermott's scheme. And the only real thing they're missing, I guess you could say, is the leadership of Lorenzo Alexander. But besides that, this team is really good, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I know a lot of people... Well, they add A.J. Epinesa in the second round of the draft. It was their first pick. People wanted, you know, they wanted this pass rusher. They wanted this guy that's going to be this star pass rusher because, you know, they were only 16th in the league in pass rushing. Uh, or, sorry, in pass rush and in sacks. But when you look at the numbers, teams that have a lot of sacks also win a lot of games and are ahead in a lot of games because then the defensive ends get to pin their ears back and just rush the quarterback. Right. The Bills were really good uh, sacking Dak Prescott in Dallas when they led the entire way. They sacked Ryan Fitzpatrick seven times in Miami when they got off to a 16-0 lead and never looked back. This was a team, though, that was playing a lot of close games for the most part last year, and teams were able to run the ball on them. So you had defensive ends and defensive tackles and linebackers that had to, they couldn't just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. They were kept honest. Now, if the Bills' offense gets better like it should, and they're talking about wanting to average 25, 26 points, and they get 14-point leads, then Jerry Hughes is going to eat on the outside. Then Ed Oliver is going to eat on the inside. Like, that quarterbacks are going to get hit, but they need the offense to help the defense be able to pin their ears back, if that makes sense to you. No, absolutely. It it absolutely does. And that's going to be the real question. Does Stephon Diggs bring an aggressive nature to this offense in general? Do they feel like that's the direction they're going to go? I think that's what everyone's talking about with the Bills. Because, frankly, in my opinion right now, they should be sitting atop the AFC East from a talent standpoint uh, o- yep. over, over the Patriots. This should be the year the Buffalo Bills are the division winners of that team. So it's gonna are they going to match that with aggressiveness when they need to be and be able to make everything else fall into place? Or are they going to continue to just play game manager type of style hey, not hey, to lose? Exactly. And that's the thing. And, and everybody was so amazed and was in shock. And I remember being in the sidelines of that Houston playoff game. 
And everybody was so upset that, you know, they go up 16 to nothing and that the offense pretty much went conservative and just tried to run the clock out and tried to slow everything down while the Texans offense got red hot, obviously, and came back into this game. But my point is, is that I was never surprised that they got, quote unquote, too conservative in that game. The Bills offense for the last two years, especially since Josh has been here, the Bills offense is not, has not been the part of the team that has thrown the knockout punch that has, you know, been the team has been the the side of the ball that has been able to say the game's over because we're going to do it. The defense has always done that. The defense has always been what they have hung their hat on. It's been the bell cow of the team. It has been what has gotten the big turnover late in games. It's gotten the big stops late in the game. Josh now needs to be the guy that throws knockout punches this year. Like it's there, there's really no more exception in that the defense can't, you know, I look back at the Houston game. Well, first down is huge in some of those spots. Hanging on to the ball is huge. Like, Josh now needs to go, guys, I know you guys just gave up a touchdown, but I got you. I'm going to go down the field. I'm going to throw the next punch. That's what I want to see Josh and this offense do this year and be aggressive, like you said. Right. Uh, but, yeah, as far as our defense goes, I expect that defense to be a top-five fantasy finish. The talent is there. I don't think they're going to be middle of the road when it comes to their pass rush this season. I think there's just too much talent in, on that defense in general. Uh, Dan, one of the last questions I'd like to ask all the insiders right now is your opinion on the NFL season being able to start on time. I think the NFL season will start on time. Uh, everything that we've been told – Everything that Roger Goodell and the NFL have released is that they're going full steam ahead. Now, will there be fans? That's, you know, I think that's going to be city by city. It's going to be, you know, stadium by stadium. But I think the league will go on as as planned. They're now talking about possibly doing just two preseason games, which I think could really affect not only just every the the quality of the games, but especially fantasy play early on the first two weeks. If, you know, my, my sports director thinks that, the Bills would use those first two preseason games as rounding out the back end of the roster, kind of treat the two preseason games like the week one preseason and week four preseason. I completely disagree. I think the Bills would need to put their you know, foot on the gas and get geared up very quickly. I think they would want to treat them like games two and three so that they can get off to the gates hot. But I think the NFL will start on time. I am unsure about fans. I know that you know the state of Texas you know, is pretty much letting half capacity in some stadiums. We are not there yet in New York, so I don't know if it's going to be changing by state or what those guidelines are, but I'm confident now than I was a month ago that we will have NFL football and we will have it on time. Yeah, I'm really hopeful of that. And as as I've done these interviews, as we move forward, it has progressively getting more and more positive, which is really what you yep. want to see at the end of the day. Dan, before we let you go, tell everybody one more time where to follow you and what's something you're working on now that we can look forward to go check you out on. Yeah, uh, you can follow us. We have a website up called buffaloplus.com. It's all of our Bills content up right there. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Fates. Uh, Fates is spelled F-E-T-E-S. And uh, this in quarantine, I've had a lot of time. So I've gone back and actually I've reached out to some of Josh Allen's uh, junior college coaches. I've reached out to his Wyoming coaches. And I just had a one-on-one interview with Josh yesterday as well, kind of asking him about you know the coaches that molded him. This was a kid that came out of, Fireball, California, which by all accounts and everything I've heard and read and talked to, they have one stoplight and one Burger King. And this guy now is pretty much a dark horse favorite to win the MVP this year. So pretty incredible story. Really looking forward to that.
Yeah, we're definitely going to go ahead and uh, have to check that out. It's going to be a really interesting lesson. Dan, thank you for calling in. I hope we can do this again sometime in the future. Absolutely. Stay safe. You too. Bye. All right, MD Nation, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Mr. Dan Fates. Coming up on the other side, we're going to have Michael Balco of the Michael Balco Show podcast talking about the Saints in just a few minutes. But first, I want to talk to you guys about a sponsor of the show called PropMe. They are a new innovative gaming platform and really the first of its kind. PropMe makes betting from person to person more easy than ever. Designed for new and experienced gamblers alike using straightforward prop bets that can literally be created on anything. You want to bet on what that next play will be then create a prop you want to bet on who's going to win that game of beer pong then create a prop it takes hanging out with your friends to a whole new level so join today by downloading the prop me app or go to propmellc.com and we're gonna have michael balco here for you guys on the other side all right md nation for our next interview for today's episode we have on the md nation hotline mr michael balco host of the michael balco show contributor of who that nation.com and of course you can follow him on Twitter at Michael Balco Jr. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How have you been? You know, been staying safe. You've been staying at home. What, what have you been doing to try to keep yourself all healthy? Well, you know, I just I've been going on article overload. You know, writing a ton of articles. Who that dish? I've been coming uh, out some podcasts on my podcast. I've been staying home. Hanging out with my cat, hanging out with my girlfriend, all that good stuff. That sounds like a pretty good time. You've been able to manage it uh, uh, pretty well. And we brought Michael in because he is one of the top experts on the Saints. And we're doing these team profiles from a fantasy football standpoint. And there are a lot to talk about with New Orleans Saints. And of course, of course, it starts with the man, Drew Brees. We're going to ignore what's been going on with him in the news lately. We're just going to tackle this from a fantasy standpoint strictly. And look, his 5,000-yard season days are probably in the past at this point, but it's been a long time since he's had a really good wide receiver, too, than what he has in Emmanuel Sanders now. So what is your take on what Drew Brees could do this season? Uh, you know, this likely is last year, so I think he's going off. Um, it really just kind of depends on what Sean Payton decides to do with the offense. As far as a 5,000-yard season, uh, I'm going to have to give that a strong no, but... <laughs> I do think that he will be a highly productive fantasy quarterback, maybe like a, you know, maybe like a QB, maybe like a top, like eight guy. He doesn't obviously have the mobility factor, but he does have a strong arm, and like you said, he now has Emmanuel Sanders to really step up and uh, have that really solid number two target, and with a good offensive line like the Saints have, and um, just a bunch of weapons around him, I think he can definitely be an elite fantasy quarterback for all leagues this year. Yeah, I mean, he was right there in the top 10 before he got injured last season. And, like, yeah, that offense has seemed to be suiting him really well. The fact that he has safety blankets and Michael Thomas a safety blanket in Alvin Kamara, he just seems to be in a right position to be competing in that top 10 position for fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, but bringing that up, Alvin Kamara, he's another guy who got banged up a little bit last season. Does he have something to prove this season? Uh, definitely, you know, um, and he said it himself even on Twitter. Like he said he played the majority of last season on like a like an eighty percent injured left leg or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly what he said, but yeah, I definitely think he's going to come back with a strong vengeance. Actually, towards the end of last year, I actually tweeted out 
Um, you know, when, when people were considering dropping Kamara, just not playing him at all towards the end of the year, and he went on that five touchdown rampage in like the last two weeks of the season, I actually tweeted about how people should start Alvin Kamara, even though, you know, his struggles throughout the year, he's just a touchdown machine. He's just extremely elusive back. And, um, you know, you can't keep a top five running back in the NFL contained for too long. Just the way the Saints use him, right? If you have a PPR league, like you're getting a guy that's eight interceptions each of the past three seasons, three consecutive pro bowls. Like, I mean, there's, you could ask for more out of him uh, in the production he's had these past few years. So, yeah, I definitely think he comes back with a vengeance. And I think, um, you know, the offensive line additions that the Saints have made, as well as the other weapons they have made, it's going to take a little bit less of the spotlight off of Kamara and allow him to actually like longer, more, you know, longer plays and get me in them quite a bit more, in my opinion. Yeah, and we're talking about a guy here who hasn't yet had a season where he's gone over 200 carries. And I do think it's going to be this season. I actually haven't projected for about 205, so not much over. But he's just so good in both the passing and the rushing game. And even with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, I'm not worried about that taking targets away from Alvin Kamara. And I, with him being healthy, I expect to see something closer to what we saw in his rookie season when he lit the world on fire uh, than what we saw maybe yeah. necessarily last year, to your point. Kim, one of the things, though, we are going to see a little bit of a split between him and Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray has actually some minor flex value, uh, not just being a top handcuff. What's the split between those two, you think, this season? Well, um, so, you know, another thing I forgot to mention is Kamara is also in a contract year, so he's going to be wanting to uh, fall out a little bit more. But as far as, like, a split between Kamara and Murray, it's clear that Kamara is the number one. And ju- I mean, just the way that they use him, they use him in more ways than one. Um Latavius Murray is a very good running back. I don't want to discredit him at all, but he's not Mark Ingram. You know, like when when they had the boom and zoom with Mark Ingram and Kamara, you know, that was quite a bit more effective than kind of having Latavius Murray, but he did step up greatly in uh, Kamara's absence at the time of last season. But, uh, you know, I I wouldn't necessarily consider him a flex option. I don't think he's going to get enough touches to necessarily, you know, put him, especially in a deeper league on your roster, really. Unless there's some, you know, injury to Kamara again, then I think you go ahead and go for him. I don't think he gets enough touches to really, you know, keep him on your roster for for too much longer, especially with the talent um, in the NFL already. You can't really afford to have a number two running back in my eyes. Yeah, normally speaking, no, and it's, it's always just interesting because he was more in a position, you know, heading into last year, was he going to get that Mark Ingram role? So a lot of people had him between that, like, 8-12 carry mark, maybe three to four targets, and that could be enough in that offense. But to your point, with this being a contract year, Alvin Kamara is not only going to want to ball out more, but the Saints are probably going to want to give him the ball more to see if he can handle a heavier workload before paying him. And that kind of tends to the point where, I think it could be closer to eight carries a game for Latavius Murray rather than getting the double digits. So it might lower his value uh, from that standpoint. But if we move on to the wide receivers here, the the big question on everyone's mind is can Michael Thomas uh, repeat for 180 targets? The answer to that is probably no. But where do you think he's going to wind up at? I think he'll get anywhere between, he'll probably get 100 catches again, you know, something along the lines of that. He'll probably get a thousand receiving yards. But I think more so this year, he's going to get in the end zone a lot more than he did last year. Last year, he scored nine touchdowns. I think, I got him in like the 10 to 12 range, sort of touchdowns wide. I just think they're going to be seeing him a lot more in like goal line situations and not necessarily, 
you know, getting down the field. I think they're going to use Emmanuel Sanders more for that role. I think we're going to see Sanders just a lot, kind of like Ted Ginn was used, but in a much more productive role. Um, I just, yeah, I think Michael Thomas is going to get up about 130 or 40 times a year. Uh, it's hard to tell, really. It just really kind of depends on how Drew's arm is feeling. And, I mean, you know, what what direction Sean Payton really wants to go with the offense. But I definitely still, I mean, there's no reason why anybody should believe Michael Thomas will have less than 100 receptions on the year. I do think he's the best receiver in the NFL. His stats last year proved it. Um, but, yeah, I think he gets anywhere between 140 and 150 targets. Even with Emmanuel Sanders, um, Emmanuel Sanders is just—I think he's primarily going to be like the deep threat guy, productive and tight end. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that at all. They're probably going to use him in that capacity. I mean, he's an excellent route runner in and of himself, but the way that they use Michael Thomas, kind of closer to the line of scrimmage, you would say, even though he probably has the ability to stretch the field out a little bit more than what they've used him at, but I think it's more the point where Drew Brees is in his career to kind of keep it the way it's going, and he just catches everything that goes around him. So they'll probably rotate in that capacity, those roles that you're talking about there. And Emmanuel Sanders, as a result, he should be in line for, I would say, somewhere between 80, 90 targets in his own right. And he should be pretty decent with that kind of production, possibly a wide receiver three, definitely a high-end wide receiver four. Michael Thomas, to me, there's only one wide receiver that I think is in position to rival him for that number one spot, and that would be Devontae Adams, just because of the volume that he has set before him with the situation over there in Green Bay. But outside of that, I don't know how Michael Thomas is not the number one guy on anybody's board when it comes to the wide receiver position because even at 140 150 targets it's still going to have him be one of the top two if not the number one guy again for that type of volume that's not going to go anywhere he doesn't need to get 180 in order to put that up I love that you brought up about the touchdowns because that's going to be a key thing for him for the amount of volume he gets he should be looking at double digit touchdowns every year he has the body for that he runs the routes for that he has the physicality for that I do think we're going to see a big uptick in that situation as well but there's somebody else who is really strong in that area and that would be Jared Cook now it took him a little bit while to get going last year it took him about the second half of the season but once he did he was very much a contributor they were hoping for do you think he's able to take that on earlier in the, in the season this year you know that quite a bit uh, we do think he's going to be productive right from the get. Um, especially considering it is also a contract year for him. And really, with his career is hanging in the balance of him still being productive. Um, especially, you know, the same spot in Altman, um, very good young rookie tight end. But, um, yeah, I think Jared Cook is going to have to really fight and keep that starting spot. Troutman is really going to push him for it. So I think he's going to get hot from the jump. I actually have him as a top six tight end in the NFL this upcoming year as far as where I'm looking at fantasy perspective. I think he's going to be a very, uh, very good forward option. As you know, maybe, maybe you miss out on one of the top tight ends in Kittle, Kelsey, and Gronk. You know, you have to settle for a guy. Jared Cook's not a bad option there later in your drafts. But um, yeah, I think losing Cook, their, their relationship's going to get even stronger. Obviously, it's a little bit hard with the current pandemic and whatnot going on. It's hard to keep that offseason chemistry going. But you know, they definitely clicked a lot towards the end of last year when when Drew came back and. Um, yeah, you know, he went to the Pro Bowl as a sub and all that good stuff. So I definitely think that uh, he gets off to a much faster start this year. And I think he can have career numbers with uh, Drew Brees this upcoming year. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's along those lines. If he just get also a faster start, then he'll be a little bit more consistent throughout the season. There's really no reason why he shouldn't be a tight end one this year. Uh, and, and this is another situation, too, where people are kind of questioning, well, what does the addition of Emmanuel Sanders do in this instance? I don't think it really takes away many targets from the tight end position. There's plenty more to eat because I don't think there's really a third receiver that you're going to have to worry about. So there's still going to be plenty of opportunities for everyone to eat in this offense. I'm not really too worried about that. Not that we're going to worry about this guy for 2020, but Adam Troutman is somebody I do like quite a bit. What do you think his outlook down the road maybe for Dynasty Leagues would be? I'm hearing nothing but great things on him. Actually, I've seen I've seen a ton of film from Adam Troutman, and honestly, I mean, just the, you know, um, Dan Campbell, the Saints tight end coach, was on was on a show. After, it's called After Further Review. It's a uh, you know New Orleans ESPN you know podcast, whatever it is. Um, you know, just like a sports talk show. They talk about the Saints, LSU, um, and he was talking about how he sees a lot of George Kittle. And Adam Troutman, and that got me super fired up. Um, the fact that we could have a George Kittle type of tight end and getting him in the third round is just an absolute steal, in my opinion. Um, he was no one was really ever talking about him leading up to the draft. The senior bowl tape without mean, he can block, he can he can catch the ball, um, you know, and he's going to be the guy that probably likely replaces Jared Cook just due to like a ton of contract disputes after the season. The Saints have like 24 free agents next year and notable names with like DeMario Davis, Jared Cook, Drew Brees. Well, not Drew Brees, but like, you know, a bunch of guys, just Jameis Winston, all sorts of different guys are all going to be free agents, all a ton of notable players and whatnot. Like Saints only have like three linebackers on the roster after the season. So just, just a ton of guys are going to be free agents and they're going to have to prioritize them more. So unless Jared Cook goes out and has like an incredible year, like a top four or five tight end season in the NFL, which isn't you know likely because you know Saints since Jimmy Graham really left, like the Saints haven't really used the tight end as much. Um, they kind of more dependent on guys like Mike Thomas and whatnot, just Drew Brees to really just do Drew Brees things and get it to targets by himself basically and kind of make receivers' career, so to say. But yeah, Troutman. Troutman is just an incredible tight end based on what I've seen on film. And obviously he played at Dayton, which isn't the biggest college, but you know, sometimes it's those smaller schools that produce the biggest talent. And I'm just super excited to see what he brings this preseason. And then obviously, you know, he's likely to get during the regular season. Yeah, I love his tape. Uh, I watched quite a bit of it, and this is a guy, he has the prototypical size. He has the prototypical speed for the tight end position. He can go up and high point the ball the way you want him to, especially in the red zone. He has all the tools. It's just going to be, he's very, very new at the tight end position. I mean, he wasn't coming He wasn't coming in out of high school being a tight end. So this is a guy who just has maybe a little bit longer way to go as far as the fundamentals go and, and learning the position itself. But this is a guy who has a lot of talent in that situation. And he doesn't have to start right away. Like you said, we've come in. You got Jared Cook this season, and then maybe comes in next year. This guy's a lot of talent, though, and he, I'm gonna the George Kittle one. I mean, it's George Kittle. Such he has such a high bar to be able to live live up to that. But I'm not. I'm not saying it's impossible. But he does have that type of possible impact talent in him, and it'll be very interesting to see when he's able to piece it uh, all together. I'm sure as a Saints fan too. Uh, you you gotta love the George Kittle comparison because you would love to have a guy on your team who could t- who can take out the entire defense <laughs> instead of having right. to take it out to them. 
Uh, one of the things that on fantasy football really gets overlooked a lot is the defenses, but in the Saints situation here, this is a defense that you might want to look at maybe a little bit earlier than the 16th round. They have a lot of talent, especially from a fantasy standpoint, because they are set up right now to have a really good pass rush and have a secondary that can get a lot of turnovers with some of the additions that you guys have made. What is your outlook for this defense this season? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I think you're going to be one of the most improved defenses in the entire NFL. Uh, Dennis Allen's extremely amped up about our defense. Um, and then obviously the draft additions we made and the undrafted free agents and the free agent signings we made. I think our defense is going to be borderline unstoppable. I think it's going to be a top three defense in the NFL, which is crazy to say when you're talking about the Saints, but <laughs> the secondary has always kind of been our problem. But, um, you know, just the fact that we have Cam Jordan coming off a 15 and a half sack season, we have every single starter on the defensive line coming back. We're mixed to Davian Clowney as we speak. Um, you know, Sheldon Rankins, if he can stay healthy, he's a double digit sack guy when he reaches his full potential. Uh, Marcus Davenport's his pressures have increased significantly from his rookie year to more season. His junior season is supposed to be even better, especially if we bring in another guy like Jadavion Clowney to compete and uh, really push Marcus Davenport um, for that starting role. And then linebackers, obviously, we're returning Demario Davis, who was a first-team All-Pro last season. We're going to have Alex Baloney back healthy. He missed he played he missed every game besides the first one last season. Um, and Kiko Alonso's coming off the torn ACL. I don't even think he makes the roster with Zach Vaughn, um, the rookie from Wisconsin, out, out there on the edge. He had the second most sacks in college football behind the number two overall draft pick in Chase Young last season. Um, and then secondaries vastly improved. We got rid of Von Bell, put in Malcolm Jenkins instead. He's going to serve multiple roles. He's going to be, you know, that starting strong safety for the next four years for the Saints. And he's also going to provide extremely valuable um, um, leadership and mentorship and stuff like that. You know, the former Saint himself. And then, you know, he's going to be able to pass down that knowledge to guys like Marcus Williams who have a tendency to hang their head after that play. And then Marshawn Lattimore, who struggled a little bit last year as far as turnovers go. It's, you know, still was one of the top corners in pass coverage. And, you know, we only got to see Janoris Jenkins on the team for a little bit last year, but you know, in a couple of games he did play with the Saints, he was outstanding. He got a turn, he forced an interception, he forced a fumble, recovered a fumble. He did all. He, he was very productive, and then he was also productive in New York with the Giants before you know he was released due to his uh, off the field Twitter rants and whatnot. And then they also have the, probably the most underrated player on their defense is. Uh, 
you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you know, no one's talking about him, but he's one of the best slot corners in the entire NFL. He can play strong safety slot, free safety. He can do it all, and honestly, I think he's going to, you know, really be one of the top breakout sophomore candidates as far as defensive players go this upcoming season. Yeah, I think that's a real key because with, with the additions that they, you guys have made, which are a lot of good veterans that they, they put on there, I think a lot of people forget that a lot of the core pieces in place, the Davenports, the Lattimores, the Williams, are all really young guys who are still kind of developing and are still trying to hit their prime. They're not quite there yet. So if they are managing to do that in their third, fourth years here for some of them, uh, they're going to be in a great position here with the core they have with the veterans. That's that's why the Saints defense is so high up on, on mine. That's why, that's why I think, frankly, the Saints are the, to me, should be the Super Bowl favorites of the NFC because this team is the most balanced on both sides of the ball and just has a potential that we have not seen yet uh, to go with that. Michael, before we let you go, uh, I just give everyone one more shot to hear where to follow you at and what's something you're working on right now that we can go ahead and check out in the future. You said something I'm working on? Yeah. So, first of all, y'all can follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Instagram is Michael Um Twitter is Michael Balco Jr., um, and it's something I'm working on. You know, I have a podcast called Birds of Great Death. I have, you know, professional athletes on every day, pretty much. It's incredible. I just, I'm blessed to have a platform to be able to talk to professional athletes, hear their stories. We've talked to guys like Morton Anderson, Delvin Bro, just all sorts of great guys. I have some great guests tuned in the future as well. Still want to check that out. It's called the Michael Balco Show. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify, all the main ones. Yeah, everything's linked on my Twitter and all of that. So if you guys want to check it out, hit me up. I'd love to talk to you guys. Excellent, excellent. Michael, thank you for coming on the show. We hope to do it again with you sometime in the future and continue to stay safe. Absolutely. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, MD Nation. That was Michael Balco of the New Orleans Saints in that past interview. And moving forward for the last interview of today's episode, we're going to have Mr. Teron Davenport of ESPN NFL Nation for the Titans on. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about another sponsor of this show, which is Trophy Smack. They're one of the best. You can commemorate your league winner in the best possible way. There's no other company in the business that does it better than Trophy Smack. They create trophies of all sizes, belts, and rings with a variety of colors along with free engraving and free shipping. And now you can get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy or belt if you use the promo code BELLYUP. So click on your Trophy Smack link on Twitter or Facebook or go to trophysmack.com and use the promo code BELLYUP on your order today. And now is here Teron Davenport of ESPN NFL Nation. And welcome back to the podcast, MD Nation. We have for you guys in the last interview of today's episode, Mr. Teron Davenport, Titans reporter for ESPN NFL Nation, a member of the Pro Football Writers Association, and a great follow on Twitter at TDavenport underscore NFL. Teron, how are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm doing really well. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. We've had to reschedule a few times, and uh, your flexibility has been fantastic. So I'm very appreciative of that and glad you were able to make it on for today's show because we got to talk about the Tennessee Titans. There's a lot of fantasy implications for this team. Uh, But before we get into that, I do want to know, how are you doing through all these difficult times? Have you and your family been able to stay safe uh, and stay healthy? Yeah, for sure. We have been able to stay safe. We're healthy. Everything is good. My daughter is home from college, my oldest one, and 
You know, I, I have uh, two others here with me. Then I have a daughter back in the Philadelphia area. And, you know, just uh, staying in touch and making sure everything is good. And that's what we're, uh, what we're working on doing. So everything's been great. Oh, God. I'm really happy, happy to hear that. Uh, now, we'll talk about the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, things are starting to open up a little bit more. We're starting to get the facilities back. Players might actually be back uh, practicing a little bit or at least in the weight room soon. And leading into that, you know, one of the big questions this offseason was that they gave Ryan Tannehill a big extension. What is your take on his ability to repeat some of the success that he had towards the end of last season? Yeah, it's actually funny you asked me that because I have a post going up on ESPN.com about that tomorrow. Just the offense being able to, as a unit, repeat. And obviously a big part of that is Tannehill. And it's going to be difficult to have a season in which you pass for you know over 70% completions and 9.6 yards per completion. That's that's. Only happened two other times, right? Sammy Ball did it in 1945 and Joe Montana in 1989. So it's not something that, you know, is going to be easy to repeat. It's not something that's going to be likely. But I still think he could have a solid year just continuing to work on what they they did, you know, connecting with A.J. Brown, getting yards after the catch, going to Donald Smith, turning around and handing the ball off to to Derrick Henry, right, And, and then working play action. I think it's likely he has a good degree of success. Now, 4,000 yards, 4,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, I'm not going to go there. But the way they use him, he just needs to be successful on two to three shots, maybe two max deep shots per game, and just consistently take the the ball where where the the defense allows him to. And I think that's what he's done really well since he got there. Yeah, I don't think anybody would really disagree with that. It's going to be very, very hard to repeat that, that type of success, what he had towards the end of last season. Uh, and to your point, he fits well what they need him to do. They, they don't need him to play over his head. He just has to stay within his game and, and hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. That's going to be the big key. And, and speaking of Derrick Henry, rushing champ last year, how much of an impact is it going to be losing Jack Conklin on the offensive line for Derrick Henry this season? And also, is Derrick Henry going to be maybe more involved in the passing game at all, do you think? Yeah, it's going to hurt a bit because Jack Conklin was, that was his bread and butter run block, and he was really good at that. But I will say this, that left side of the, the line, you know, with, with Roger Saffold and Taylor one, those guys really, they, they kicked it in gear. And that's when everything took off once LeJuan came back from the four-game suspension. So, yeah, it's going to hurt a bit to not have Conklin, but Dennis Kelly is, is a pretty solid option. And then once they bring the rookie along, Isaiah Wilson, like when, he, when he really gets going, that's going to be an awesome force for them in the rushing attack. I mean, we're talking about a 6'7", 340-pound man that, that can move really well, yeah. you know, and, and be able to run behind him, that's going to help. I do think Henry is going to be a bit more involved in the passing game. They like to throw the screen pass to him, but I remember last season during practice, you know, he would line up at like a slot position and run routes, and they worked on the routes and things like that before practice and during individual periods. So I can see that continuing to be a progression for him with running backs coach Tony Dews, who actually played tight end at Liberty. There you go. Well, yeah, it just – 
if you could add that aspect of the game, even just a little bit, we're not talking about like him, you know, we're not, he's not, we're not turning him into Christian McCaffrey or anything like that, but if we could just add that aspect to his game a little bit, what it would do for his mm-hmm. fantasy potential overall would, would go through the roof because this is a guy that we know he's going to get 300 carries, and he's one of the few guys in the NFL that we know he's going to get 300 carries because of the way that offense is built. If you can add a little bit of that, plus getting him out in space, maybe not so much wear and tear all the time and kind of get him one-on-ones with some smaller guys out there would really kind of benefit and see as well because we know he has the explosion we know he has the speed to go along with it I think it's going to be very interesting if he can actually repeat as a rushing champ but I think more teams are probably going to key on that more so this year but that's where go back to you know a Ryan Tannehill point from before where can he just hit that one or two shots that you were talking about to keep that defense uh, at bay one of the guys that he's going to be taking those shots to would be AJ Brown what kind of sophomore season do you see at AJ Brown this year yeah, I think the yards after catch is going to come down because this, you know, he led the league in that, you know, at 8.8 yards after catch. But I think you're still going to get a thousand yards. I think eight touchdowns is in his grasp. I'm not sure about how many receptions because he only had 84 targets last right. year. If they could increase those targets, which is something they're working to do, right? Adam Humphries is going to be big. Or convert to third downs, which in turn is going to give more opportunities for other guys to touch the football. So I think it would be a, a solid option to pick him up. I'm not so sure I would get him early. You know, there's a, a good. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Five to ten other receivers, I think, would be pretty good. And the other thing is the consistency factor. I think he's going to be more consistent this year. There were some games where he disappeared last last season, and I don't, I don't see that happening this year. Yeah, I mean he's just he's such a physical freak, and he's able to line up everywhere on the field. And if he just if he continues to put some of the fundamentals in this game, I yeah, the, the consistency will probably come with that. And I personally, I have him right about 104 targets coming into this season as a possibility for him, and that winds up being the case. He could have similar production, even if it's not as efficient, because he should have a little bit more volume. And part of that, too, right. is because I expect him to be the number one guy, because, I mean, in, in your opinion, has the team at this point, I know they just kind of talked about a little bit about they still like Corey Davis, but is he really just an afterthought in this offense at this point? I don't think he's an afterthought. He's a guy they still want to get the the football to. But the fact of the matter is their premier passing play was play action to A.J. Brown running the slant. And it just continued to work for them. So they just kept going to it. That's really what it was. I mean, think about it. If you're a quarterback and you know you can throw it to 11, and he's going to get you an average of 8.8 yards per catch, you know, after catching the football, that's huge. And – that's what he did last year, even with Mariota as a quarterback. You go back and look at the Browns game. So really it was just – it wasn't a matter of forgetting of about Corey Davis as much as it was just this is what's working and this was even more dangerous. So this is going to be the first read. So do you think if they are able to open things up more, the wide receivers with Ryan Tannehill in their second year, Corey Davis might be a little bit more involved? I think he's going to be more involved, and that's something I talked to Tannehill about multiple times throughout the year. And 
in the first Zoom conference that we had with him, I asked him about that, just, you know, getting him involved. And he said that's a goal. He feels that Corey Davis is a very talented receiver and wants to go to him. Now, there were times during last season where I asked Tannehill about it. They said, you know, after looking back at the tape, I did see I had him a few times and I didn't give him. He said at the Zoom uh, conference earlier this, this uh, or actually last month, I think that along with what he was saying last year, those go hand in hand. And that tells me that he's going to try to get him the football. Okay. Yeah, that's something we're going to look out for. I mean, he was, I mean, obviously top talent coming out, drafted him really early. Just we haven't seen the production yet, but the offense is possibly going to be getting more and more efficient. And then there's a third guy that you did mention a little bit, and he didn't get to play much last year, and that's in Adam Humphreys. They they did they paid him a nice little paycheck to come in and be that slot receiver, to be that chain mover. What do you foresee him this season? I mean, do you think he can stay healthy? And then what, what do you think his production level is going to be? Yeah, I could see him leading the team in receptions. And I, I like I said, he's their guy when it comes to moving the chains, right, getting those third downs. So he could lead the team in receptions, but not get a lot of yards. I, I think he's going to, in essence, be an extension of the running game. You know what I mean, if, yeah. if you follow me? Yeah. You know, so I, I think that's how they'll use him. But I will say this. I didn't mention him before, but the guy to focus on is John Smith, the tight end. And here's the thing. He was one of Tannehill's favorite targets once Tannehill took over. They worked together with the second team up until Delaney Walker got hurt. You know, so that chemistry is there. And then on top of that, during the quarantine, they were together in the Miami area, South Florida, and they threw two or three times a week. And they're just continuing to work on their their, uh, chemistry and and bring that going. And you saw an example of the chemistry in the game against the Ravens where Tannehill just laid it up in the corner of the end zone. John O. Smith went and got it. Yeah, I was I was just about to lead into uh, John New Smith that we were talking about there because he's in a great position, right? Delaney Walker's gone. It's now his job. You know the Titans want to utilize that that tight end position. He's somebody I have in my top 10 that's not, not really getting looked at by a lot of people right now. He has a decent enough of athletic ability, um, so that's a really good tidbit to have there because that's that's somebody who this show is going to be pushing hard as far as being a sleeper tight end goes, and that's, that's just lining up perfectly. On the flip side of the ball, we do have the defense with the Titans. You know, do you think that young secondary are they ready to take the next step up? And how do you think they're going to look without Casey in in, in the defensive line for the first time in years, uh, just going into this season? Well, as far as the defensive line is concerned, you still have the clowny thing hanging over their head. We don't know what's going to happen. We talked to John Robinson, the GM, yesterday, and he did say that. He knows it's a fit, and there is mutual, and there has always been mutual interest. So that will change a lot. But if Tommy doesn't come, they still they went out and signed Vic Beasley, you know. But you're you're losing Casey, a guy that they used up and down the defensive line. He played anywhere from zero all the way up to to five technique, and even stood up as a as a rusher. So along those lines. You have Jeffrey Simmons, who is, in essence, taking Casey's spot. But then who takes Jeffrey Simmons' spot? So it keeps kind of trickling down the line. They're losing versatility, a, a serious playmaker on the defensive line of Casey. So that's going to be something they have to figure out. Now, there are some young guys, Derek Roberson, who came along. He's an undrafted free agent. But 
you know, he came along towards the end of the year. So that's someone that could help him. And Tamale Correa played well also. So we'll see what happens there. As far as the secondary is concerned, they have, in my opinion, the best safety in football. And I can legitimately go back and forth with anybody about that. Kevin Byard is the best safety in football. He's the most complete safety. So as long as you have him in that secondary, you're in good shape. Then he and Kenny Vaccaro play off of each other very well. I think Adoree Jackson is an elevating player. He needs to work on finding the football better to get those interceptions. But he is a, a very solid player, and he came along strong towards the end. So the secondary is in good shape. It's really going to depend on what they could get out of Christian Fulton. Their second-round pick was a steal at number 61. And then also Malcolm Butler's health, you know. So that's going to be the key. But I think they'll be okay. They are very deep at the safety position. They have multiple options to use at nickel, whether it's a Dory Jackson, Fulton, Monty Hooker is a guy they use. Certain dime packages, they use Dane Cruikshank as well. So they're in really good shape, in my opinion, when it comes to the secondary. They, again, just have to figure out ways to find football better to get the interception. Yeah, they're one of the sneaky uh, depth teams, I feel like, on the defensive side of the ball that not, uh, not as many people are, are looking at. And to your point, yeah, if, the, if they're able to bring in Jadavion Clowney and they have Vic Beasley and they're able to put a pass rush together with a secondary that should be one of the better ones in the NFL heading into next season, we're looking at a top-notch fantasy defense here, people, because all of a sudden you're going to be able to get those pass rush, which means you're going to lead to turnovers, you're going to lead to interceptions, you're going to lead to all those sacks and all those, all those pressures and everything like that. So that's exactly what you're looking for. And the Titans are one of those defenses that not a lot of people are looking at, but a key piece like Clowney could make the whole thing uh, really fall into place. So I, I really appreciate you breaking that all down for us so we can have a better idea with that. Uh, before we let you go, I've been asking everybody this question and and uh, we're getting you know, we have a little more light at the end of the tunnel than when I started this series. So the the answers have gotten progressively positive, which is what I was hoping for. But it's do you think the NFL is definitely going to start on time this season or no? Uh, I you know I can't say definitely, but I believe it is going to start on time because uh, it, it seems like things are, are are progressing in the right direction. So I'm going to say yes, it will start on time, but who knows. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that's pretty much the feeling. But let's let's all stay positive about it, right? Teron, before we let you go, man, uh, just tell everybody one more time where to follow you at and what's something that you're working on that we can all go uh, go check out and look forward to. Yeah, you can follow me at tdavenport underscore nfl on Twitter. Um, definitely uh, check out espn.com. There's a Titans page. You click on NFL teams and then Titans, and you subscribe to that, and you'll get all of the. Titans work. I have a post going up on Saturday about the offense. We went pretty deep as far as some of the reasons that they could repeat their success and some of the reasons that it'll be tough. So check those out. And also talking with TD on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes. It's a podcast we do every week. I actually just had Mike Clay on from ESPN, the fantasy football. So it's good to kind of get back into that a bit. So uh, yeah, you can check it out. Awesome. Awesome. We'll definitely be checking that out. I'll be subscribing to that as soon as I possibly can. Teron, thank you so much for calling in. It was a great interview and I hope you got, you hope you continue to take care. Yeah, for sure, man. You too. I appreciate it. See you later. All right.
All right, and that was Tron Davenport, ESPN NFL Nation, talking about the Tennessee Titans to bring you that insider information for you all. I hope you guys all enjoyed this show. I had a lot of fun doing it, as I've done with all the Team Profile series so far. We are going to be back next week. Expect us to be back once a week on Fridays from now until the rest of the summer. I haven't decided if we're going to move up to two episodes a week come August yet or not. We're going to see how things go there, how much content we feel like we need to be pumping out at that moment. Um, and it's going to be a lot to do with what's going on in the world as well with the coronavirus and everything else like that. Exactly, you know, is the NFL still on track to be getting to start on time? So far it is. Uh, you, you've listened to all of our insiders so far on this show. You can always go back and listen uh, on your favorite podcast app available to you, you know, iHeartRadio and iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and pretty much anywhere you need to go for your favorite podcast app, the MD's favorite fantasy football show is widely available to you and you can also go back and, and watch us on the stream on youtube on sportscaster on on uh, uh, uh twitter we have it up on there all the time and of course on facebook all the videos that you can go back and watch them and you can see that the the question that i ask every single insider at the end of every single interview about the nfl starting on time has progressively gotten more and more positive as we've gotten closer, which is really a great sign. It's what you want to see. It's one of the reasons why I keep asking that question to every single insider that we have so we can kind of get a barometer for us as fans of the sport. Uh, And so we're getting closer to that. So we'll find out exactly what's going on there. But for now, just expect us to be here every single Friday from now until the rest of the summer. And then we'll be up to four episodes a week once the season kicks off. And I'll get into what that's going to entail, what to expect from that as we get closer as well. Make sure you keep your eye on your news alerts for your player notifications at Show on Twitter. But also, once we get the projections and rankings up, like I said, I expect that to be up within the next week. Uh, you're going to want to check that out right away, and that's going to be announced on social media as well. We'll talk about that uh, in next week's show. Hope you guys all enjoyed everything that we had for you today. Hope it was all in- informative and that you know that you're going to be able to get that edge on your opponents heading into your draft. Everyone continue to stay safe, and we'll see you all again really, really soon. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.